seriously speaking, lately I've been really swamped with appointments because of this change as well. I mean, this is really a concerning factor to most people. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, Michelle. And uh, welcome to our Money CEO podcast. I am really glad to have uh, Michelle talk uh, with us this morning. Maybe let me just give a very brief introduction of uh, who Michelle is. Right. Um, and, and just now before the show, right, I was talking to Michelle. She said that she has started selling something and doing sales when she's 14 years old. Um, prior to becoming a wealth manager, and now she managed clients' portfolio, she held various positions in Park Royal, Shangri-La, um, doing events and convention management. All right. So, uh, hi Michelle. Um, maybe before I start, right, maybe you want to introduce a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, hi everyone. Uh, Michelle here. Uh, nice to see all of you. Yeah, um, I'm glad that, uh, you know, thank you James for inviting me to share my experience. Uh, of course, my hotel experience really sculpted uh, where I am today. Uh, in fact, uh, I would say that most of my training in hotel actually helped me in client management uh, and sales acquisition. Yeah, so previously in my role in um, most of the MNCs, I'm being um, tasked to acquire sales accounts. Uh, and of course, being in the hospitality industry, uh, being able to deliver uh, excellent customer experience is what I aim for as well. Yeah, so hopefully today, today I'll be able to share with you uh, my little bit of experience that will help you go in a long way. All right, thanks Michelle. And you mentioned that you started doing sales as young as 14 years So uh, yeah. You know, you want to share that experience. So basically, you're very rich in, uh, in sales. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, actually, I didn't, didn't know how this job came about. So it was just a holiday job. It was just for two months. And because it's 14 years old, technically, you are not legal to work, right? <laughs> so I cannot work in public or retail. So I can only uh, work behind the back doors. Yeah. So, so that was why I got landed myself a job as a telemarketer. Yeah. Oh. And I actually sell local writer books. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So previously, we had uh, telephone books. And then you have to make cold calls. Yeah. Then you oh. have to promote the, the local writer books to uh, mummies to buy for their children. And then you arrange a courier to deliver the books to their house. And then they either pay by cash or credit card. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay. So that basically start off your, your sales experience. Yes, yes, yes. And, and surprisingly, I mean, the two months that I was there, uh, because I, I guess I'm quite hardworking in a sense, so I just called and I did not have any procrastination. Yeah, so I made it to the top sales. <laughs> oh, wow. At 14 years old. That was yeah, really impressive. Yeah. 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 And, 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 did, and earlier before this, right, we were talking about uh, the critical illness changes. And this is really our topic for today. You know, um, how, you know how, how has it been for you? You know, you want to share with us, our listener, a little bit about these critical illness uh, changes uh, by, this, by the LIA? Okay. Uh, generally, LIA always review the critical illness changes uh, for consumers. La. They are the ones that set the definitions on the claims uh, as a standard for the whole uh, insurance industry in Singapore. Mm. Yeah. However, this change uh, right now is actually, personally, I feel that it, it, it will probably impact my clients. Yeah. So uh, when they first announced this uh, critical illness change, 
I actually, because most of my clients are on my broadcast list. Mm. Yeah, I actually include them into a, a broadcast and a mailing list uh, function so that I can notify them about the latest news and also the most updated uh, trends that we have in either locally or globally. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, so, that's, that's interesting. So you keep your customer engaged in that, in that right. sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so with, mm, with these changes... Mm. Yes. Yeah, so with these changes, right, I actually notified them that uh, those people who want to enhance their portfolio uh, in terms of insurance coverage should really do so before the change. Because um, currently the critical illness framework, um, the definition is more generic. So when it's more generic, seriously speaking, when it comes to claims, uh, I always tell my clients to, uh, it's always a 50-50 because claims are still subject to approvals. Mm. So, uh, when with this definition being less vague, uh, uh, less specific, la, okay, more vague, la, there's chance for us to probably uh, argue, mm. argue through and probably try to put through and then the chances of claims may be a little bit higher as compared to a definition which is very, very specific. Mm. Yeah. So, in this instance, uh, this change may impact uh, my clients in the future, maybe not immediate, but in the future. So I encourage them to relook into it and then um, just take action if necessary. Understand. Right. Um, so, so Michelle, I think there is basically two types of customer. One, one are consumer like me, you know, who already have a critical illness plan that I have gotten maybe five years ago, mm. six years ago to be exact, six years ago. Um, you know, is it going to impact me as a consumer who has already had the policy? Or how about new consumer who is thinking of looking for a policy? Uh, it will probably impact more on new consumers mm. uh, because the existing ones, actually the framework does not change anything for you. That means your existing critical illness coverage will still remain as per what you have already covered. Uh, but it's more for towards the new applicants. Uh, or people who want to really uh, enhance their coverage. So they are, in a way, also considered as new applicants because their new application will be impacted. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's the reason why uh, this 26 August is the deadline. And uh, of course, due to processing time, and then seriously speaking, lately I've been really swamped with appointments because of this change as well. I mean, this is really a concerning factor to most people. Yeah, so that's why some of them are, are engaging me a lot on this topic. And then, uh, you know, because of this processing, I really urge most of the listeners or people who are paying attention to us to really do so right now. Because even though the deadline is on the 26th August, but not forgetting that you need time to get approval for your insurers, which usually the lead time is about a week. I mean, because now everybody is swarming to do applications yeah. Oh, so okay. so that's a that's the main change. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and and so Michelle, can I just ask uh is it the same date for all the insurer or or there is a different date for different insurer, you know, in actually, that sense? Yeah, actually there are different cutoff dates for different insurers. Yeah. So uh if let's say you are unsure, uh if you have uh, your own financial planner, please uh, speak to your financial planner on this. They will be able to update you on it. Uh, otherwise, if you do not have, you can always come to us and then we can always guide you along as well. 
Mm, okay, all right. Okay. Uh, really, thanks, Michelle. Yeah, I think I think these are very really useful uh, tips, you know, for for consumer, especially uh, when it comes to buying policy, because it is it is so complicated, and it is always good to have a professional, you know, that is helping them, with, uh, you know, looking at the policy contract and planning forward for their plans. All right. So other other than that, right, Michelle, do you have any um, money tips that you want to share with our listener today? Mm, okay, I think. Uh um, right now, because of this current climate, right, uh, everybody is definitely more stringent in terms of their spending. Uh, however, if you have always uh, managed your own finance portfolio or your expenses, uh, you should just be keeping it as per normal. Yeah. Uh, why I say that is because money market works this way. Uh, if people don't spend, everybody keep. Also, the economy won't improve. Also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so as long as uh, you are sticking to your 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 own personal money rule of thumb, uh, I think that should be okay. Stick to it. Yeah. For myself, I usually uh mean pay myself. Of course, at the, the moment I get my salary. So that part is of my savings and my investments. Then uh, partially, then I will, of course, allocate them to my expenses and my loans uh, uh, and, and uh, whatever miscellaneous things that I need to pay off. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, interesting thought. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, this is the first time I hear this. Uh, you know, you, you encourage people to spend as per, as per normal, all right, uh, but while, while maintaining their budget, you know, and the first thing that they should do is really to pay themselves. I think this is really, really nice. All right. Um, yep. Uh, once again, thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Michelle, for joining us in our show. And to all our listeners, right, uh, this is the Money CEO podcast uh, where we share with you the latest money-related news, tips to help you manage your finances and grow your wealth. Once again, uh, thanks, Michelle Talk, for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.